Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This is the real-life story of star-crossed lovers, Michelle Hetzel and Devin Guzman. These girls being the same age, they were into this experimentation and finding their sexuality. It's a tragic tale of teenage obsession, sex. There was something that kept Michelle and Devin going back to each other. And fatal jealousy. It was more like three was a crowd, and there was always an odd person out. That reaches a gruesome climax. Her neck sort of fell backwards to the extent that I thought that she may have been decapitated. Beware, extreme passion can lead to shocking consequences. It's the spring of 1999 in the blue collar town of Easton, Pennsylvania. 18 year old high school dropout, Michelle Hetzel is at home on the south side of town. Michelle was a pretty girl. She was tall, she was thin, she had blonde hair. She was a nice girl. I mean, she kept to herself, she was quiet. Michelle had an older brother and sister, much older. So she was like a late life baby, but happy. I mean, she always seemed happy. But growing up almost as an only child, Michelle has always struggled to fit in. Michelle was a storyteller and you could tell, you could be like, come on, Michelle, you're making up stories. But she actually believed a lot of the stuff she said. For some reason, she needed attention and needed that drama in her life, and she craved it. And believe me, she made sure she got it. Michelle's childhood was full of ups and downs. But about a year ago, she hit rock bottom when her family's situation deteriorated and she was placed into foster care. But what at first seemed like a bleak change turned out to be a stroke of good luck for Michelle. At her new home, she met and fell in love with the family's eldest son, 25-year-old Brandon Bloss. What are you doing, painting your nails? Yeah, pink. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Thanks. 
Michelle was the foster child, and he had lived there. He was a good friend, and then she started dating him. Brandon was a smart young man. He had degrees in chemistry and math, and his future looked bright. The couple has only been dating a few months, but they're already engaged to be married. To Michelle, it looks like Brandon is a chance to have the happy life that a year ago she could never have dreamed of. I think she wanted a wedding. She wanted the car. And Brandon was the perfect prop when Brandon came into her life to say, Michelle, I can give you these things. Michelle saw Brandon as the guy who's going to be successful, maybe make some money. For Michelle and Brandon, life in Easton is familiar and comfortable. Both grew up going to local schools and even now spend most of their time hanging out with Michelle's two best friends, Devin and Kiri. Devin, Kiri, and Michelle um, all met through high school, and the three of them were together all the time and did things together all the time. Devin was carefree and full of life. She worked hard, she loved family. She was happy. For the most part, she was a happy person. Carrie was tall. She had blonde hair. She was very nice. She seemed to be fun. Now that Michelle is with Brandon, the trio has grown to a foursome. Not a problem. You want a burger or a dog? Well, hot. Yeah, you vegan. Hot dog. Yeah. Hot dog. All right. <laughs> On the surface, they are all the best of friends. But Michelle is keeping a dark secret from her devoted fiancé, Brandon. Only a few months after getting engaged, she's cheating on him with the last person he would ever suspect, her best friend, 18-year-old Devin Guzman. Michelle and Devin were uh, friends. At some point, uh, it went beyond that, and it, de it eventually developed uh, into a sexual relationship. These girls being the same age, uh, they were into this experimentation and finding their sexuality, whatever they were doing and uh, it was just a party atmosphere as well. The intense chemistry of this taboo relationship gives Michelle a thrill that Brandon could never provide. They have a secret and an understanding. They understand each other in a way that nobody else could possibly understand. It really heightens not just the love, but the sexual turn-on between them. The secret affair is nothing new. Conflicted by her emotions, Michelle has split and gotten back together with Devin many times over the years. The kind of person Michelle was. She would pull Devin closer and then push her away, but she would only keep her at arm's length so that she could bring her back in when she wanted her. I couldn't tell my daughter enough that you just need to walk away and, you know, move on with your life because this isn't working out with her. But Devin always takes her secret lover back. Devin cared for her so much, she just was so confused. She went running every time Michelle called her. Meanwhile, Michelle's fiance, Brandon, has no idea that his soon-to-be wife is sleeping with her best friend. He's too busy focusing on building a future for them. He did work a lot. He had a steady job, and plus he had a second part-time job, so a lot of his hours were tied up. Between Brandon and Devin, the down-on-her-luck foster child has everything she's ever wanted. Michelle had Brandon. He gave her things that Devin never could give her. It was like Michelle wanted the financial security from Brandon, but the passion from Devin. 
But while Brandon has no idea about his fiancée's adulterous ways, Devin's steady girlfriend, Kiri, knows them all too well. In high school, Michelle and Carrie would fight for Devin's attention. It was more like three was a crowd, and there was always an odd person out. And at the moment, it's Kiri who's feeling like that third wheel as she senses Michelle and Devin's connection heating back up. Michelle kept resurfacing into the relationship. I believe Carrie would get very angry and hurt when Devin would, would focus on Michelle. So there was definitely tension in this relationship between these three girls. The long-suffering Kiri believes in her heart of hearts that Devin will wise up and choose her. I really honestly believe Carrie knew that Devin would be back for good one of these days. Throughout the rest of 1999, 18-year-old Michelle continues to bounce between Brandon and Devin, professing her love and devotion to both. But in early 2000, she finally tells Devin the hard truth. She is going forward with her marriage to Brandon. Devin is devastated. I think she was shocked, and it's the same hindsight as if she was losing somebody. She was probably jealous. I'm sure she was hurt. I'm sure, you know, she's watching somebody that she loves marry somebody else. Devin begs her lover to reconsider, but to no avail. In just two weeks, Michelle and Brandon will be married. Over the next few days, sadness turns to fury as the spurned teen decides she isn't going to give up without a fight. Devin's behavior, it, it was very rational at times. She's jealous that uh, Michelle's getting married. She starts to basically stalk her. She does not want to let her go. Devin would drive by the house, honking and yelling about their relationship and how much she loved her. You have to stop it. Shocked by Devin's behavior, Brandon confronts Michelle about her relationship with her old friend. Michelle maintains it's not her fault. It's Devin who's become totally obsessed with her. I think Michelle would play the part, you know, Devin keeps calling me, Devin keeps showing up here, and I think it was more like a facade. I'm trying to make this work, but Devin keeps doing this. Though he still doesn't know about the affair, Brandon makes it clear to Michelle that she needs to cut Devin out of her life. I know that Brandon pushed a lot of stress on Michelle about contacting Devin. Last week, she was honking the horn and screaming. And Michelle placates her fiance by agreeing to end her friendship with Devin. But can she keep her promise? Or will her double life result in horrific consequences for them all? 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. By the beginning of 2000, 18-year-old Michelle Hetzel and her best friend Devin Guzman have reignited their on-and-off affair. When they're together, their passion is overwhelming. Michelle and Devin's love affair is very typical of adolescent love. It's almost obsessive. They can't think of anything but each other. Michelle's fiancé, Brandon, is unaware of their sexual relationship, but has grown tired of the constant drama and harassment coming from Devin towards his soon-to-be wife. He insists that Michelle stop seeing Devin for good. Michelle agrees. You know, I think Michelle wanted to be with Brandon. I think a part of her wanted to live the normal life. Brandon puts up with Michelle lying to him. Brandon didn't want to lose her, so he was going to do whatever it took to keep his wife there. But if Brandon thinks Michelle's seen the last of Devin, he's sorely mistaken. The jilted lover isn't gonna stand by while her ex runs off and gets married. When her obsessive stalking doesn't sway Michelle, Devin knows she has a trump card up her sleeve. Michelle kept her sexuality hidden from most people. Despite a year spent in foster care, Michelle's real mom and dad still play a big role in her life. She was very worried about her parents. They treated her like a little princess, so I think she tried to keep the image up in front of her parents. Devin knows this is Michelle's Achilles heel, and she shoots straight for it. She would call her Michelle's parents, telling them about their relationship and how much she loved her. Anything she could do to sabotage it, sort of make it in a non-subtle way that, that uh, you know she was bisexual. During this period before Michelle's wedding, Devin really becomes unhinged. Her stalking behavior, almost harassing behavior, really becomes continual, even chronic. And it's really fueled by the idea that Michelle is not reacting to any of it. But it's when Devin calls Michelle's parents that she finally gets a rise out of her ex, just not the one she wanted. 
In January 2000, a month before her wedding, Michelle goes to the police. There was a harassment complaint that was filed. This was filed by Michelle Hetzel, alleging that Devin was, in fact, harassing her, stalking her, and she wanted it to end. Police issue a restraining order against Devin. And on February 26, 2000, Michelle and Brandon are married. At first, Devin is crushed. But by March, she seems to accept that Michelle is gone for good. So she moves back in with her patient ex-girlfriend, Kiri. And finally, their relationship begins to blossom. Kiri had a strong affection for Devin. And there was some belief that uh, Devin really was in love with Kiri. Kiri and Devin were going to move to outside the area, to Arizona, um, discuss possibly having adopting a child. But they were going to definitely move forward uh, with their relationship. I think Devin started to move on with Carrie. Whether that's what she wanted, I'm not really sure. Meanwhile, Michelle and Brandon also seem to be off to a fresh new start. In the days following their wedding, the newlyweds are the picture of happiness. When they first got married, they were honeymooners and uh, things were going well. They bought a small house in Southside, moved in together, and they were planning on living happily ever after. It seems as if Michelle's decision to put Devin behind her is real. But under that contented surface, it turns out that the forbidden affair is just too sweet for her to forget. She can't keep Devin out of her mind. Just days after marrying Brandon, Michelle goes to see her lost love. There was something that kept Michelle and Devin going back to each other. Michelle was obsessed with Devin, absolutely obsessed with Devin. The two best friends can't keep their hands off each other. After Michelle got married, she was torn. She would come over and be with Devin and try to make future plans with her. Like, we're going to get an apartment together. Let's move in together. But, yeah, I mean, you're married. I don't love him. I'm only doing it for my parents. Michelle was always promising to Devin that it was going to be the two of them and not Brandon. Devin perhaps recognizes this as the ploy that it is. Even though she's hurt by the idea that Michelle would marry a man, she understands Michelle can't possibly love Brandon the way that she loves Devin. In the weeks after the wedding, 18-year-old Michelle plays the part of a blissfully happy honeymooner with her new husband, Brandon. But she's back with her secret teenage lover, Devin. The illicit passion between them flames higher than ever before. It's only a matter of time before Brandon notices his wife's attention is elsewhere. In April 2000, things between the newlyweds come to a head. Where do you think you're going? Where do you think you're going? You have to talk Brandon started to realize that Michelle was leaving and going out and spending a lot of time with Devin, which put pressure on their marriage and their relationship. Michelle would leave her husband and go run off with Devin somewhere and maybe not come home at night or or whatever. The suspicious husband finally sees the writing on the wall. His wife and Devin are a lot more than just friends. Brandon knew that, that Michelle and Devin were having a relationship, and I believe he was very jealous about that. I believe that he truly loved Michelle, and he would probably do anything to keep her as his wife. 
woman? A woman? I've never had an affair! The new husband makes it very clear that he isn't going to put up with infidelity. Things started to deteriorate rather quickly. There were fights at this location that where they were residing that uh, some of this spilled outside to shouting matches. I am restraining myself right now. A neighbor across the street hears an argument, and when he looks out, it's Brandon and Michelle arguing, and Brandon's cursing, and Michelle's just ignoring him. You can take your stuff and get the hell out of my house. Michelle's home life is spiraling out of control. But rather than face her problems head on, she makes a decision that will take the situation from bad to horrific. Over the Memorial Day weekend of 2000, she disappears. Michelle took Devin on this surprise trip and Michelle footed the bill for everything, uh, charged it on her credit card unknowingly to, uh, to Brandon. I think Michelle was definitely using her ability to charge gifts and trips and things to lure Devin back into her inner circle. Michelle taking Devin on the trip was her way of saying, I'm committed to you. Come on, I'm taking you away. This is how I'm going to prove I love you and I want to be with you. On that trip, the infatuated girls take a big leap in their commitment and pledge their lives to each other. Michelle was trying to prove to Devin, you are the one I want, not my husband. Let's do this. I'll marry you. We will come back. You move, I'll pack up, and we can be together. Devin returns to Easton, convinced that she has a future with Michelle. She even takes the bold step of telling her girlfriend, Curie, about her and Michelle running off and exchanging rings. To my knowledge, this comes as a shock to Carrie because Carrie's believing that Devin and her are, you know, together. Why is she off with Michelle? She comes very, very upset about the whole thing. I'm sorry to tell you like this. She's going back and forth between Michelle and Carrie. It's just like a... Like, almost like a pinball game. And, and sometimes carries the ball, and sometimes Michelle's the ball. Devastated and angry, Carrie can't accept what she's hearing. When Carrie finds out about no, Devin taking this trip with Michelle and that they had this little wedding ceremony and uh, she's going to leave and live with Michelle, an argument and a physical confrontation does ensue. The third person in this triangle, Carrie, has been long-suffering and has tolerated a great deal in the musical chairs of these relationships. Pushed to her emotional limit, Carrie finally snaps. Devin's telling Carrie what has happened, and Carrie, in an act of desperation, grabs a knife. Up till now, Carrie has suffered her girlfriend's fickle ways in silence. But all that is about to change with one violent stroke. Eighteen-year-old Devin Guzman has been cheating on her teenage partner, Carrie, with a high school friend named Michelle Hetzel. In high school, Carrie, Devin, and Michelle were all friends, and it seemed like that Michelle and Carrie would fight for Devin's attentions. In the past, Carrie has let things ride, but now that she's discovered Devin has promised a future to Michelle, she explodes in a violent rage. How could you do this to me? Carrie, in an act of desperation, grabs a knife. She was hurt. 
She was angry. All the emotions that you're going to feel when someone that you care about runs off with somebody else. Devin thinks she's the intended victim, but Kiri's knife has a different intended target. She's threatening to kill herself. Devin tries to take a knife off her. Uh, Devin winds up getting cut and needs to go to the emergency room. After getting stitches, Devin is sent home. And it seems that Kiri's desperate move has touched Devin's heart. Kiri and Devin actually do seem to reconnect. After all the back and forth, Devin now seems ready to forget about Michelle once and for all. I think once Devin came back, she realized that she wanted to be with Carrie. I think she thought that she would be happier with Carrie. I think it would be a little less drama. I really, truly believe that Devin didn't want to mess up Michelle's marriage. I just want to be with you. Promise. And Devin isn't the only one having a change of heart. Since coming back from her romantic trip with Devin, Michelle has been under pressure from her family to reconcile with her husband. Michelle was home with Brandon trying to fix what she just did. Brandon is furious that his wife ran off with another woman and stole his credit cards. But despite all that, he forgives her and takes her back. He loves her, and I, I believe he truly does love her to the point where he's willing to forgive all these indiscretions and, and this affair with Devin and anything else as long as she would commit to him. By early June 2000, Michelle and Brandon are rebuilding their young marriage, and Devin and Kiri are making a fresh start. After months apart, there are even signs that all four of them are willing to let bygones be bygones. But within days, that hopeful dream will be violently shattered. In the early hours of June 15th, Michelle makes a panicked phone call to Kiri. Michelle gets uh, in contact with Kiri and uh, says, hey, you know, where's Devin at? Uh, where is she? Is she with you? Michelle saw Devin the night before, but hasn't been able to reach her since. She's looking around for her. She's calling, you know, is she there? Kiri says Devin dropped her at home last night, but she then went back out. Carrie is not uh, worried. She knows Devin is sort of a free spirit and sometimes goes off on her own and she shows up, you know, hours later, a day later, whatever. Uh, Carrie's not overly concerned. But Michelle is, and Carrie's calm reaction on the other end of the line only makes her more frantic. What if something's wrong? Like, what if Devin's hurt? Michelle is hysterical, says we have to call the police because we don't know where, where Devin is, she's missing. But Carrie refuses to call the cops. So minutes later, Michelle takes matters into her own hands. Michelle goes to Carrie and Devin's apartment and says, where is she? We have to file a missing person report. I think we have to call the police. What? No. I already told Carrie, you. you're not I'm listening. I'm not going to call the police. Carrie is not at all concerned about Devin. I mean, this is the person who just ran off a few weeks ago. You know, it's not the first time she's run off. The situation gets more complicated when Carrie tells Michelle that 19-year-old Devin had been drinking the night before. She doesn't want to involve the police. Carrie is very adamant not to do it. She goes, because she gets pulled over, she's underage, and she's going to be drunk, and she'll just be mad at both of us. Fine. I'll do it. When Carrie refuses to call 
Michelle actually does it. Uh, I need to report a missing person. But the detective Michelle talks to has some bad news. A person needs to be gone for at least 24 hours to be considered missing. And Devin was last seen only a few hours earlier. Michelle isn't willing to wait and decides to launch her own search, demanding that Kiri help her. Michelle's driving her vehicle. You know, Carrie is a passenger. They're driving around and going to what Michelle described as maybe some spots that Devin might have frequented. The girls drive all morning, and just when they're about to give up... It looks like her car. ...they spot Devin's car. Yeah, that is her car. Carrie gets out, and she looks in the car, and she sees that she's laying down sort of in a fetal position in the back seat. It looks like Kiri has been right all along. Devin has passed out after drinking too much. Kiri believes she's sleeping, so she tries to wake her up. Devin, Devin! She doesn't move. And then I think they start to realize that something's something's wrong. Wake up! Oh my god! The girls turn Devin onto her front and make a horrifying discovery. Their friend's throat has been viciously slashed to the bone. <laughs> it's June 2000, and Devin is in the middle of a volatile love triangle with her lover, Michelle, and her girlfriend, Kiri. When she goes missing, Kiri assumes she's just off partying as usual. But now... Devin has been found, lying dead in the back of her car. A passerby alerts police, and cops quickly arrive on the scene. When they got there, they recognized immediately that they had a, a deceased person. Devin Guzman is pronounced dead at the age of 19. Cops study the crime scene for clues as to what might have happened. At first glance, it looks like drugs might be to blame. Her arm was covered at that point with a needle in it. Cops theorize that high on drugs, Devin may have taken her own life. She has in her hand a knife, uh, which leads to, uh, some to believe that perhaps she killed herself. But the severity of her wounds make that seem impossible. I was there when they physically removed the body from the vehicle and placed Devin's body on a, a mat outside the vehicle and her neck sort of fell backwards almost to the extent that I thought that she may have been decapitated a gashing wound across her throat which was deep it was very visible it was pretty clear that this was not a suicide that type of wound is not committed randomly it's committed during a passionate crime and this was definitely a crime of passion With Devin's death now confirmed as a homicide, police discover another vital piece of information. This gaping wound to her neck would have caused a lot of arterial spurting and there's very little blood in the car. It's obviously staged uh, scene. This isn't where uh, she was killed. Not only that, but it's clear that Devin didn't die easily. When you inspected Devin's body, you began seeing little cuts and bruises and uh, dirt on her clothing and 
you know, blades of grass and hairs and fibers. So it was obvious there was some sort of violent struggle that preceded her death. That same afternoon, investigators bring Michelle Hetzel down to the police station for questioning. Michelle was pretty consistent with her version of events when she spoke to Easton police. She relayed that she uh, was friends with Devin. Devin had been at her home uh, earlier in the evening and then left to go take Carrie home, and that, that was the last that she saw her. Michelle admitted that her and Devin had had a relationship, but said that they hadn't slept together or uh, weren't intimate in several years. They may have hugged and kissed here or there or occasionally uh, lately, but kind of downplayed the, the uh, extent of their relationship. Michelle tells cops that Devin was back with Kiri, although recently, things between them hadn't been going well. She pointed out a incident that had happened uh, a couple weeks prior where they were having an argument and Carrie threatened to harm herself with a knife. And when Devin went to take it off her, that uh, Devin got cut and had to go to the emergency room for treatment. Did Devin's jealous girlfriend reach for her knife again, this time to kill her lover? Carrie is unable to give a statement that night, so police turn their attention to the final member of the foursome, Brandon. Brandon basically corroborates everything that Michelle says, that, you know, that they were over there, but that he didn't see them again. Could he have decided to get rid of his wife's lover once and for all? Next morning, June 16th, police bring Carrie in to listen to her version of events. Carrie was scared. I think Carrie realized that she may be a suspect, but she always maintained that she never would bring any harm to Devin. We were arguing that night. Carrie confirms Michelle's story that earlier in the evening, the two couples had gotten together and that later on, she'd left with Devin. We do have conflicting stories. Carrie uh, claims that uh, Devin uh, dropped her off and was on her way back to the uh, Michelle Brandon home. Michelle denies that they ever uh, saw Devin show up again. Did something happen at Carrie and Devin's apartment? Did it happen down at Michelle and Brandon's house? Did it happen somewhere in between? The next day, June 17th, police obtain a search warrant for Devin and Carrie's apartment. There's broken furniture, there's articles of clothing and paper and objects uh, strewn about the place. It's just an absolute mess. The cops move into the bathroom in their search for evidence. When we got to the bathroom area, there was a shower stall in there. And when we pull the curtain back, there's a mat from Devin's car in the shower stall. We find the car mat in the shower with what we thought was blood. And Carrie tells us that and it was beet juice. It sounded like it was a little hard to believe. I'm thinking there's blood on here, and she's trying to figure out a way to get out of this. Police find further traces of blood in the shower stall, and DNA tests show those belong to Devin. It's circumstantial evidence that, uh, you know, the murder could have been committed there. The murder investigation is barely a day old, but police already have a prime suspect. We find what we believe to be blood in the shower. So, I mean, at that point in time, we really, really think that there's a good chance that Carrie could have killed Devin. 
Police still have no hard evidence on which to charge Carrie, but later that day, they receive a phone call. A young man named George has heard about the investigation and believes he has information that will help. We wound up getting a tip from a male who was a friend with all three girls, Michelle, Devin, and Carrie. They were all at his house, and Carrie and Devin had gotten into an argument. But George doesn't end there. What he says next will reveal the sinister truth behind this twisted teen love story. Nineteen-year-old Devin Guzman has been involved in an intensely passionate affair with fellow teen Michelle Hetzel, despite the fact that Michelle's married and Devin has a serious girlfriend. When Devin is found with her throat slashed to the bone, the prime suspect is her girlfriend, Carrie. The last known person to see Devin alive was Carrie. So when you add that all up, we're still looking at her. But now a phone tip is shedding new light on who really wanted Devin dead. Homicide. A young man named George says all three girls were at his house a few days before the murder. Devin and Carrie left, but Michelle stayed behind to talk to him, and she makes a shocking request. Michelle approaches the subject of trying to recruit him to help kill Devin and dispose of the body, promising either money or sex or both. She wanted you to help her kill Devin. Now, why would she do that? When you receive information like that, it now puts the brakes on Carrie. It now opens up another window of a, a potential suspect in Michelle. Investigators have no explanation for why Michelle would want her lover dead, but that is about to change. Police obtain a search warrant for the apartment Michelle shares with her new husband, Brandon. Nothing out of the ordinary initially. However, in the washing machine, they find a pair of jeans that are soaking. The jeans belong to Michelle. And when they take the jeans out, wring them out and package them up, turns out there's a syringe cap in the pocket. Detectives have discovered a critical piece of evidence linking Michelle to Devin's death. The significance of the syringe cap is that there was a syringe placed in Devin's arm in the back of the car. Police continue searching on Michelle's house and her property, looking for further evidence to tie her to the murder. Eventually, the police would get a search warrant for Michelle's vehicle. When the trunk of Michelle's vehicle was uh, opened, in the trunk was a paper bag and in that paper bag were clothes. On closer inspection, the police find tiny specks of an unidentified liquid. It's human blood. It was a huge moment because uh, now we had blood, and of course our next step was to see whether we could uh, get DNA to uh, match the, the blood, you know, find out if this is the victim's blood or not. The lab results come back. It's Devin's blood. But there's still one final twist that will throw everyone for a loop. This pair of jeans doesn't belong to Michelle. They were determined to be Brandon's clothes. This was a very significant event uh, in this investigation. 
We had not strongly looked at Brandon at all. Most of the focus at that point in time was with Carrie. I mean, this was, this was uh, you know, the smoking gun. So now the tide's turning towards Brandon and Michelle. When Brandon is brought back in for questioning by police, they notice a deeply disturbing bruise on his arm. When we were searching Brandon, uh, we wound up finding a wound on his left forearm. Because it was so many days after, obviously it didn't look as it did uh, the night the injury was inflicted. The pattern appeared that it was in the shape of a mouth and it, that it could have came from a bite injury. Devin's body is exhumed and the bite marks on Brandon's arm are confirmed to be the impression from her teeth. When we see that Brandon's got this bite mark, we're starting to formulate a theory of, of what had occurred. We believe that probably Devin bit him while she was being killed. The bite mark, along with the syringe and the blood-stained jeans, are enough for police to bring charges. And on August 13th, Brandon and Michelle are both arrested for Devin's murder. On September 25th, 2001, the case against Michelle and Brandon goes to trial. The prosecution puts forward its version of what happened to Devin Guzman. We believe that on the night leading up to the murder, Devin had told Michelle that she wasn't going to move in with her, that she wasn't going through with this marriage. She was going to give her the rings back and that she was going to stay with Carrie. That infuriated Michelle. Devin then leaves, but the prosecution maintains that a little while later, Brandon calls Devin to come back. When she returns, she's not alone. Whoa, 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 what is she doing here? Devin showed up with Carrie. They didn't want Carrie there. So Devin had to take Carrie back home to Mineral Springs, then drive back to the Brandon Michelle home. Hey. Hey. This time, when she arrives, She's grabbed by Michelle and Brandon, who launch a vicious and deadly attack. I think Brandon's the one who certainly cut her throat, but with the bruises on uh, Devin's forearms, I think Michelle was right there holding her arms so Brandon could do this thing. Brandon was taller than Devin. He was stronger than Devin. This required a, a great amount of strength to, to commit this injury. He had the bite mark on his arm, which probably occurred while he was putting his arm around her throat. She was then placed in her own vehicle in the back seat. They planted the syringe and the knife to make it look like perhaps it was a suicide. Further tests reveal the blood found in Devon's shower and on the car mat is not from her murder. Later, it was determined that blood presence on that mat could have been explained away as menstrual blood. And Carrie is cleared of all charges, proving her innocence. 19-year-old Michelle Hetzel is found guilty of first-degree murder. The jury believes that Devin wanted to end their relationship with Michelle for good, but her scorned lover wouldn't take no for an answer. Michelle was somebody who wanted you know, to control Devin. It became apparent that when Michelle couldn't have her, she was one of these people that if she couldn't have it, nobody would. The prosecution believes that Michelle then roped Brandon in to help kill Devin. 
I think somehow she convinced him that if Devin was out of the way, he would never have another problem and they'd, they'd live happily ever after. I think Brandon was a follower. Michelle was the leader and Brandon would have done anything that she asked him to do. He is also found guilty of first degree murder. It's a tragic end to a tortured story of teenage obsession. My daughter was special to me. She was very special. I wouldn't take away those 19 years for anything. She was a good human being and didn't deserve to be taken away from us. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.